0: Good evening to all of you listening out there. This is W Skim Milk, and welcome to Just Skimming the Surface. My guest today is Stephen Farrell of the Game Advocate. Hello, hey Stephen, that's me. We're, What's up? It's Game Advocate, you right? Betcha. Not okay. I wasn't sure if it was Game Advocate or Gaming Advocate. Nailed it. So I was like, man, I messed it up already. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's good. Good to start with a mistake, and you can learn quickly. It's a good way to go in life
0: so steven and i have known each other for what seven years yeah it's been a while <laughs> it's really wait a second i've known you since my freshman year which was 2010 it is now <laughs> 2017. we just do a little simple math here carry the one move the, the zero and yeah seven years 14 years <laughs> Fourteen. <you married> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, Steven is a gaming and musical extraordinaire, oh, wow. isn't that correct? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, my shower singing's pretty on point. But... Pretty... Do you play harmonica in the shower, too? <laughs> I haven't tried that challenge mode yet, no. <laughs> the next YouTube channel playing harmonica <laughs> in, the, in the shower. <laughs> I'll give it a go. Challenge. I'll give it a go. That
1: sounds awful, but hey, okay, you know, whatever.
0: Just give it a shot, see what happens. I'm sure my neighbors would be big so, fans. yeah. <laughs> so Steven is um, he is a writer for The Game Advocate, which is a website that does reviews on games and other articles about games tell us more about that
1: yeah absolutely um so tga or the game advocate is um kind of an effort to just create a positive like compendium uh, of of reviews and looks on games and articles um, where we don't post anything negative Uh, we just really want to focus on what games are doing right because i think they're a really powerful and awesome medium and to just spend time just kind of you know, bagging on them or dishing out nasty stuff. Like, it, it's kind of useless. There's so much going on in the yeah. game that, like, I think capturing some of the the cool stuff, to, to now trivialize <laughs> it with my, my simple words, <laughs> uh, but to capture some of that uh, that power through, you know, what people are doing is, is what's really important when, you know, looking at, like, not only games journalism, but just um, kind of documenting games for the future. So I, I was just a little frustrated with how negative, you know, a review... Lends itself to being negative, kind of in and of itself, because you know you're saying, okay, like here are the values of the game, and here here are its faults. But like, what if we could just talk about, like, well, here's what the game does really well. Uh, So that's what we do.
0: Yeah, that's that. That's a good. That's a good idea, actually, because most reviews that I've seen tend to focus on the negatives. Yeah,
1: you know, and I think like. They're trying to answer the question, you know, should I buy this game? And you read a review with that question in your mind, and hopefully you can make a more informed opinion. Um, but I think we can answer that question without having to include all the negative stuff. So, um,
0: of course, of course. So that's,
1: what we're, that's what we're getting at
0: over there. That's, a, that's actually really good. Uh, Thank you. I like the positivity. Thank you, yeah. It's always very nice. Now, when, when I knew you back in high school... You were more of a musician kind of guy. Do you still do that? Do
1: I still do that? Oh man, um, well, I
0: used to play a lot of piano for Goofs and Giggles,
1: but piano is super not portable. Um, so I've 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 done the, the old douchebag guitar, which is cool. Uh, gotten a lot into <laughs> that. I play a lot of like Piedmont blues lately, which has been kind of fun. Um, but as far as like <laughs> like performance or something, nah, it's just my head and me.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, so. Dang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of sad. Hey, you were, you, you were in like all the top choirs. weren't you at the top bands too? Well, come on, Antioch like High School. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and you, you were the lead in the musicals. Uh, man, but we you had. Were, I
1: mean, like, what was the? Population? You were famous. You were oh, like
0: man. famous in Antioch at least. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you might, you flatter everyone at the school. Do your name. Yeah, all, all 30 big man people. on campus. <laughs> that incredible. All thirty people. <laughs> yeah. Good old Antioch. Good old Antioch. Goodness, it's been a while since I've been back there, actually. Oh really? yeah, dude. Where are you at now? I'm in uh,
1: I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. On a
0: oh, that's exciting tiny piece too. of
1: land between two lakes.
0: It's oh, pretty wow, that's, cool. That's actually pretty serene. <laughs> Is. To use a new vocabulary word, you can
1: also uh, dip into the into windy. It's also very windy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we know what windy's like. We're close to Chicago. Yeah, well, close enough. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Forty-five minutes an hour. Definitely close. Totes,
1: totes, Chicago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Would you consider Antioch, Chicago land?
1: Um, no, nah. no, no, not really. I mean, really? it's so,
0: it's so small. <laughs> They're so. There's some uh, Chicago tourist spots up here, you know. Like what they consider them tourist spots? Don't ask don't, me. Don't one. Ask I can't me think of specifics. Any. I can't. I you just know. know they exist.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right.
0: You know the Ania Clock Tower that oh, was supposed to exist. That's right.
1: Very cool location.
0: <laughs> very, very cool empty yeah. lot these times of years.
1: <laughs> is it? Is it still empty?
0: Yes, it's still just an empty Jeez. lot with some gravel.
1: <laughs> well, at least and people park. We got it. that going for us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when the carnival comes to town, they just set up right over there. People park in the grass there.
1: Dude, right on.
0: I never like carnivals, yeah. man. or it's just, it's well, I don't know if I consider it a carnival, but just... the. Uh, Death Traps on Wheels and um, the Rigged Games come into town. And, yeah, it's a cool little place for the high schoolers to hang out. Right on. Keep those kids off the streets. (laughs) Well, I mean, they do set up on the street. (laughs) (laughs) Rats. (laughs) Dang. Foiled Foiled again. Foiled again. So what got you... More into gaming to where you decided to be a part of something like the Game Advocate.
1: Ooh, wow! All right, that question is going to bring us back to the mystical world of 2008. Um, if you a want to journey time through time with me, when I played the video game called Bioshock, um, oh, by irrational game, headed by Ken Levine. Um, yeah. So before Bioshock, I was a fan of games. Played a lot of you know, like Halo and stuff with my buddies. And that was cool and rad and fun, uh, but Bioshock was the first game that kind of like keyed me into uh, like, to get a little bit highfalutin or something, like how powerful games can be, or how we can tell these really kind of dynamic stories, not just within a game, but through gameplay itself. Um, because Bioshock's Definitely. narrative features like a very gameplay heavy sort of story um, wherein, and what I mean by that is that by playing the game, by, by physically doing the inputs, um, the story is being told. It's not like you know, you you press A or X or whatnot, and then a cutscene plays. And you're like, oh, there is some story, and then there's like a hard cut, and ah, oh, now this is a game, and then there's a cut, like ah, oh, now this part is story. <laughs> when you mix them together, um,
0: there's this really kind of uh, juicy feeling that no other medium really gets at. So it just flows really well. Yeah. In that game. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's dated now, um, for sure. Well, people still love it. The collection just came out. Oh yeah,
1: dude. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Those are, oh, they are just—they're
1: so classic. I can like—it's—it's it's tougher to recommend them now. Um, the first one, at least, because because it is pretty clunky mechanically, um, but it was certainly kind of a pioneer in that in that narrative space. I think at least matching theme to mechanic uh, or to physical gameplay. Um. So that so that's when that's that's when that whole thing started. I didn't realize it had started yet, but but oh, it started. Uh, and played played Bioshock many times. I think three or four times over, um, in a very short period of time. And after that, it was just games were always kind of more on my radar rather than just like you know want to have some entertainment and like you know kick around, you know the the fun with some friends and play some Halo or something. It became like okay, like what's yeah. the next experience? You know what am I what am I looking for? Uh, and and through time, and through university <laughs> I sort of I sort of directed my path I try I knew I wanted to work on games so I went into computer uh, science my freshman year mm-hmm. uh, and sophomore year and I failed out of it because I was very bad oh, <laughs> oh yeah dude, that was <laughs> terrible um, the problem was is for example made this game called Che master which is our first project in like 302 the intro class
0: we- oh cheat master Sheep yeah. master sheep yeah, sheep yeah, cute little things oh
1: um and we had a month to do it i finished the whole like game in, a, in less than a day i just worked i, I like, didn't stop and so for the rest of the month i like turned it into this really awesome game because originally it was just a game about variable manipulation you know oh i get a sheep plus one sheep do my inventory but like i added a market okay. i added like a day and night cycle there was you know different vendors that you could talk to you had inventory
0: space it was super cool wow that sounds really complicated and like it took a lot of time (laughs) dude it
1: took a long time i was super proud of it i had the whole like all my friends playing it it was just text based um, but i was very very proud and this was unfortunately the same year that they introduced the testing server to the uh to the university which meant that no human eyes would ever trawl across my code it was all computer and the problem is is it was looking for character for character per character uh uh, exactness in my program and so obviously that wasn't gonna happen um (laughs) and so for example uh do you are you do you know anything about computer code do you know what a string is
0: no i'm very stupid please and for that'll
1: probably be good for for listeners in case in case you guys out there (laughs) don't know what, what a string is a string is basically just a a, a collection of, of letters and characters and numbers, whatever you want. A string is something that a computer will output, like text. It doesn't care what is in that. you know, so you could tell the computer, like, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, output like "Hello, world," right? And it reads the output command, and then it just outputs whatever you put in it. You could put garble, and it doesn't care. It outputs it. So okay. My first line was a string: uh, "Welcome to Sheetmaster!" Exclamation point. And my whole program failed because it was supposed to be Welcome to Sheetmaster, period. <laughs> so like, had nothing to do with code, right? It was just like... So oh. not a
0: lot of room for error there, huh? <laughs>
1: not a lot of room for creativity. So my fun <laughs> little sheet game got an F, and I was like, are you kidding me? And for the rest of the semester, <laughs> I loved learning the concepts, but I hated the assessments. So I didn't do any of the assessments. Uh, I didn't take
0: any of the tests. I see. I failed the class. Well, that's that's kind of gonna make you fail you know <laughs> if you don't do half half the uh, half the work there <laughs> I did all
1: the work I just never submitted <laughs> um, I made some other fun games too in that process but in any case I was like okay this is probably not for me the rigidity was not was not kosher so I moved to <laughs> English creative writing
0: uh, I I'll was like
1: it. oh yeah cool writing is that's the next step in how to make games it's very important yeah yes. yeah yeah because uh, I knew I'm a, I'm a hopeless artist so that'll never be a reality um <laughs> but that really wasn't super for me either um, um i just i just wasn't grooving with the people wasn't grooving with the work and uh eventually kind of was uh, just took a, like a random art class because i, I want to be good at art someday but i never will be and it was with linda <laughs> barry don't we right <laughs> and when she was she was just very encouraging was like well you know what like you, you obviously really like you know games at this kind of uh, deeper level and you're really passionate about them in more than entertainment ways like you should you know you should stick with it like find a way to pursue that like don't give it up because at this point in my university career i'm like completely hopeless like i don't know what to do like i don't want to just tag along on like a bandwagon degree like engineering or something and be confused for the rest of my life um and so she was she was real encouraging and kind of stuck with it mentally and eventually ran into a guy named Tom Dubois, who is, like, head of folklore here at the university. Dubois, very French. He is, like, probably the friendliest man I've ever met. Uh The Frenchliest man. (laughs) If you ever meet a man named Tom Dubois, like, just give him a hug. Um, (laughs) And he actually, uh, I I complained to him, too, really good at complaining, I guess. Um, And he was like, you should start an individual major that just focuses on whatever the heck you want to focus on. And so I built my own <laughs> curriculum from scratch and studied video games and ended up getting to take a lot of classes with Kurt uh, Kurt Squire and Constance Steinkooler, who were like preeminent uh, research scholars in games and learning. Uh, learned a bunch through them. and yeah, then, then TGA kicked off as well during that time and it just went. I went
0: hard with games at this year university. and <laughs> awesome man,
1: that's, that's that's kind of a journey.
0: So are you one of the founders of TGA? Then? I am. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, it's me oh, and boy. my buddy Andrew, are the two, two founders of PullString
0: Media, which oversees the Game Advocate. So you've been there since the very beginning. Yeah, dude. Article one, baby. Article number one. <laughs>
1: nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's been a blast. Um, I, I really, like, if I had to sum up the reason why I'm doing this in kind of one sentence... It's just because like these developers um put like blood, sweat, and tears into these projects, and I really want to like have an outlet or a way or a place where we can just say like like this, this thing that you did, this tree that you made, this soundtrack you did, this mechanic, like it's brilliant, thank you, you know what I mean like
0: like an internet hug, yes, yes, <laughs> an internet <laughs> hug. internet hug yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing, especially <laughs> on a time when. The internet is a very toxic place. <laughs> this kind of positivity is very necessary. Well thank you. I
1: it seems that way, doesn't it?
0: Definitely. Oh, the <laughs> Anywhere you go, you see all sorts of negativity online. It's it's kind of disheartening.
1: Yeah, it's really easy to be uh abrasive,
0: you know? Does that affect the uh game advocate website anyway are there comments or anything on there
1: (laughs) oh dude all the time um well not all the time i i get a lot of criticism for tga the main criticism is why is this useful um you know we need to be able to point out the negative things so that we can you know move forward and make games better uh and that's totally rad that's excellent um and i agree with that we're not like policing our writers and our articles to be like oh did you say something negative like get out of here uh, you're totally welcome to be critical of things. I, it's just, it will never be our focus. We're never going to post an article about like, oh, pff, look at this game. This is awful. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, we actually got hacked the other day, uh, a couple oh, no. two months ago now. So that was cool. They deleted everything. And so we had to. They deleted
0: everything.
1: <laughs> it was right. It was right before PAX East, which we were going to as media. Yeah. Um... And PAX is like, if you don't publish articles, like, you will not be invited again. <laughs> so we had to oh, build no. the whole site and every article in less
0: than two weeks. That was really fun. That's terrible, because <laughs> that's that. But you went to PAX, though. That's pretty cool. And you were oh, like, yeah. you actually had a panel and stuff? Did not have a panel. We just went as, no. as the media tag. So just walk around oh. interviewing devs. Um, oh, that's pretty yeah, cool. It was, it was an absolute blast. How'd you get uh how'd you get that kind of in there? <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> have a media it's site. It's a secret.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So as long as you have a media site, they'll just be like, yeah. Yeah, there's on.
1: there's a bit of an application uh, process. It's pretty simple. Uh, but basically, they do they kind of okay. like vet you based on your, you know, your audience size and you know, black magic, I guess, and sometimes <laughs> you get in. So we managed to get in there and I yeah, we um we had like not finished it. Even the night before, we were working on it in the morning before PAX. So, like, I showed up at the media hour, like, ready to get started, and I was texting Andrew, like, is it ready? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, we got that. So, close. please, no. I was, was scary. So, you went to PAX East, mm-hmm. was it? Yes. Is That's the one over in Boston. Boston, right? yeah, yeah.
1: Like-
0: Boston. I actually. Just had an episode that's going up prior to yours uh, with a friend of mine who went to PAX East as well. He said he had a good time. Oh, really?
1: Yes. That's super I, um, sweet.
0: He's he's got a YouTube channel where he plays video games with friends. You know, right on, do you The usual. <laughs> the usual. What was it? Yeah, right on. That's
1: sweet. Who's <laughs> it? Was a... And
0: uh, he he said he saw a couple different. YouTubers and such, gamers, all sorts of different things. Was there anyone that you saw at PAX that uh, you find influential that you really wanted to meet? Oh goodness! um Here's 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 my deal, right? I'll tell you a quick a quick PAX story.
1: Um, I was getting lunch one of these days at PAX, I was getting a little, little overpriced pizza slice, and I just sat down oh, next boy. to this this couple. I presume they're a couple, or maybe very very close friends. Um, and they were talking about their experience with PAX this year as compared to last year, and I just kind of, like, butted in. And I was like, you know, oh, that's, like, that's cool. Like, what? tell me more. You know, this is my first year. I'm kind of curious to hear, you know, what the differences are. And the guy was like, oh, you know, like, this year kind of sucks, honestly. I'm not a huge, huge oh. fan of it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, like, that's a cool thing to tell someone in their first time at PAX. <laughs> um, why is that? And he, he told me, like, well, like, this year they're just – there's so many indie titles. There's so many little booths. Like last year, there were a lot more large, like triple A people here. And now it's just all these indies. And I'm like, well, that sounds excellent. <laughs> That's kind of my jam. Um, so, like, it's it's tough for me to pick them all out because it's, I mean, I could pick a few out, but I feel like I would just be doing a disservice to everyone else who showed up. These, these people are paying, like, you know, let's be real. A lot of money for these booths for a very short period of time and they've been you know, probably pouring their life plus into this project and there's so much enthusiasm and excitement from everyone about their projects you know, it's not like you get people who show up to PAX and they're like lukewarm about their own game they're like oh yeah I'm at PAX to pay for this booth like it's pretty good I guess like everyone is super <laughs> excited to to talk about their projects um rightfully so and so it's it's hard to be like, yeah, this this one person or that one person. I mean, there are some there are some big names, some big YouTubers there. Um but for for me the draw was just every like individual project to like small studio project um was was really cool to see. Some some like names <clears throat> that were there. I know like Rand Miller was there. I did an article with him. Uh he's the, the guy who made Mist, which is that game from oh, you know like nineteen ninety four, way back when. Or was it ninety eight?
0: Hmm. I've heard of it though. Mist is that was a really popular game, it had a big following. Oh it? yeah,
1: definitely. It kind of pioneered like narrative games, to begin yeah. with. Yeah. So that was that was huge. I mean, got to meet with like the Guns of Icarus team, which I'm huge huge fans of. The Night in the Woods team was there. Jeez, um, Deliver Us the Moon was there. The huge Starbreeze booth. Ev- everybody was there. <laughs> it was a good time.
0: Yeah. That's that's. That's fantastic. I've never been. I've I've been to like one convention before, and that's it. Oh, cool though. Which, <laughs> uh, which one? But uh, Indie PopCon. Indie PopCon. I went last year. Have you no, heard of it? I'm not familiar with that. I'm embarrassed. Indie PopCon. It's a. Uh, it takes place in Indianapolis, and uh, they just have all sorts of guests from games, from YouTube, from all sorts of aspects of pop culture. Cool. And they all have booths, and, you know, it's just like any other convention. You just go there and have a good time.
1: <laughs> yeah, this sounds, that sounds very cool. <laughs> yeah, conferences are a blast, man. I really enjoy the, uh, I really enjoy the energy.
0: Yeah, I really want to try and go to more. They, it's just to see sh- showcases of work, because at Indie PopCon, they also had a little bit of uh, small booths where you could play some indie games and mm-hmm. such. Um, and that was just interesting to me. Um, good way to get your indie game out there. And they also had all the bigger guests of, uh, as well. So the bigger guests kind of drew the crowd and then the crowd would also, you know, walk by the, uh, indie booths as well. Fun, you know? yeah. dude, very interesting. Right I, like
1: <clears throat> what's well, the, the big draw to me for conferences is it's kind of like this. This fantasy world for a very short period of time, you know, like I mm. could go up to like basically a random person within a one mile radius of like the Boston Convention Center, for example, like a Pax, and just walk up to them and be like, "So, what do you think about Dark Souls?" And you like every person would have like you know paragraphs of <laughs> you know comeback like, <laughs> that just doesn't happen in the real world. So you get all these like very enthusiastic people together, and I think it, there's some there's some kind of mojo in the air that's. It's just real uh, real fun to latch on to.
0: Yeah, anyone who goes to a convention is obviously very passionate about uh, those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty sure. Very good crowd, too.
1: For sure, dude.
0: <laughs> so you enjoy indie games. I know there are a couple really popular indie games that came out. I know you uh, look at, usually, the positives, but I kind of want to talk about a very bad sort of indie game that came out recently okay. that maybe you have an opinion on, maybe you could shed some positive light oh. on. Um it, it's called uh No Man's Sky. <laughs> wow, saw that one coming
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: What what did you think of that? What game? did
1: I think? <clears throat> okay, here are my thoughts. Okay, listen to me, Sean Murray, and, and feel good about yourself. <laughs> I think that No Man's Sky was a victim of good press. Um like it was Hello Games, right? The studio that made New Man's Sky. Yes. It was kind of fishy to begin with, right? You look at their studio history, what have they made? Like, Joe Danger 1, and like, Joe Danger Infinite, or something. And now they're going to go on to make this open world space exploration trading You land on planets, it's the best game ever. Like, that's just I mean, that's inconceivable, right? There's going to be some hiccups. Um... Inconceivable. <laughs> yeah do not think that word means what you think it means. Um, But in any case, (laughs) so I was a little bit suspicious at the start. And it got picked up by Sony um, and the marketing just went mad. And suddenly this like little project that they had been working on exploded into the AAA scene. I don't think it was ready for that. Um, And there are a couple ways that that I can tell that it wasn't ready for that. And I will elucidate those reasons for you now. Um, The first one. Is in interviews, um, and not the the kind of sad Colbert report. Just normal like podcast <laughs> interviews that Sean Murray did with, with various outlets. Um, he's very nervous about No Man's Sky. Consistently, uh, he yes. quotes in one interview, and I have no idea where I heard this. Uh, I don't remember, but he said like No Man's Sky was like building a rocket on the way up. Like we're you know we've launched, we're in flight, and we still feel like we're putting this thing together. He was very very kind of hesitant yeah. about it, and, and so that. I think he got too much press to to handle and to know exactly what he was working with. Two, uh, in the game itself, uh, it's very slow. The pace is slow. Um, the, The transitions are kind of slow. And I don't mean that in a mechanical, technical way, but in an artistic way. When you get a new milestone, you know, those kind of black bars come from the top and the bottom, and the text like slowly crawls across the screen like milestone achieved. You know, when you get into yes. a new a uh, system, the black bars come down and it tells you the name of the system. Like this was a game that was built and designed to be artful and to be digested uh, and to be kind of taken slowly and reflectively. And Sony, I think, kind of hyped the game up as this like, well, you get into space and you shoot things and you can trade and it's a big old space sim. Like, and that that wasn't the heart of No Man's Sky. The heart of No Man's Sky was this weird like existential contemplation on like you know in this vast infiniteness where there are you know there are people flying around but then again you'll never see anyone because it's so vast like what, what is like religion what is this atlas thing you know what is you know do we follow our own path do we follow something predetermined like why do we move to the center you know it's supposed to be kind of this, this contemplative experience and i think it got a little marred by how uh, how hyped it got uh, Cause you can see like there's this really sweet mechanic I've never seen before where you're collecting like the, the history of cultures to learn their language slowly over time. So that you can just understand what they're saying in the space station. Like that's pretty incredible and cool mechanic. I wish that had gotten fleshed out and they weren't, um, you know, forced into, to a corner where something was like, Hey, you need to make space combat. Forget about this culture stuff. Space combat's <laughs> where it's at. Um, no one needs culture. Yeah, like, it's not
0: important yeah, at all. So it's, we're just a big corporation who wants to make money <laughs> off of this.
1: And, you know, I'm totally down. Like, Sony has been embracing indie titles a lot. And I think it's they cool have. and it's awesome. And, it's, and I love Axion Verge. Um, but the, um, I think it just got too much too much hype way too fast. Hello Games didn't know what they were dealing with. And, and the game was never designed to have AAA appeal. It's supposed to be kind of this niche indie game. And yet it got kind of forced into having AAA appeal. And it, so it just, its heart was was real, <laughs> real sketchy, I think. Um, but they've actually yeah, I totally, they made a turn totally They did get an that. award at the uh, GDC, this recent GDC, at the IGF Awards. They got like innovation, I think, um, because they did some real serious math on making those planets work the
0: way they did. So, oh, yeah, they really did. Um, the game itself is really beautiful. I do like the graphics and everything on it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I played it after all the updates came through and compared to when I first got the game to when I played it more recently, it, they've they've definitely improved it. Oh, for sure. I'd have to say. Yeah, like the Pathfinder updates with the
1: base building and then the, the new vehicles. It's a blast, honestly. And if you're Oh yeah, definitely. If you want a slow kind of calm artful experience like no man's sky will will
0: hit the nail on the head i think it's a very chill laid-back game mm-hmm. like this podcast like this, the silky smooth podcast <laughs> the silky smooth podcast
1: it <laughs> should be your little tagline
0: <laughs> oh goodness
1: but yeah no i i i no. like the game honestly i've i've put um a good a good chunk of hours in it somewhere around uh
0: 40 or something not too many Really, that's that's a lot. Forty is a lot of hours. Really, I mean, I guess. <laughs> really, I don't know. <laughs> two hundred and ninety some in Rocket League. So well, it's more than I put on it. <laughs> two hundred ninety in Rocket more League. That was a really good game too. <laughs> oh, and Overwatch. I I haven't played much of it, but I've I've watched videos and such and. Man, I, it seems pretty interesting, but I'm I, I'm terrible at uh, shooters and anything like that. Oh man, so. but that's the great thing about Overwatch
1: is that you don't have to be good at shooters. That's the genius behind it, is that you can jump in and play Mercy. You know, who doesn't shoot anything? She just you hold left click to heal and you hold right click to boost people's damage. Like you don't have to be good at shooting. Like you can play Junkrat who lobs, like these handmade grenade things in big arcs like no no accuracy required well i'm gonna pull that a little bit back there's some accuracy but not a lot like it's really a a shooter that doesn't require you to be a shooter and that's that's the appeal to me at least so don't don't count yourself short you might be very good at overwatch who knows
0: i might have to try it definitely dude (laughs) now you like story driven games oh yeah i'm taking from this um, which I I definitely see you there. I love games with a good story. If a game doesn't have a good story, then I usually don't enjoy it. Mm. Um, and th- that is why I'm enjoying Persona 5 right now. Oh man, oh man, I don't want to talk too much about it because of all the spoilers, <laughs> but
1: God, I can't stop playing that game. It's so good. It's so groovy. The music, the soundtrack is brilliant. The style, even the menus. Like everything is just so juicy.
0: It's honestly a very nice turn for me, game wise, right now, of all the games that have come out recently. Because you had Mass Effect, which came out mm-hmm. and was a little bit of a disappointment. And um, then Ukulele, I don't know if you yeah. know about.
1: Yeah, rough stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah kind of disappointing there, too. Even the new Legend of Zelda was a little disappointing to me. Breath of the Wild, really? Yeah. I haven't I haven't touched it much to my uh, displeasure. Um, I really want to I touch mean, it. I mean, it's a good game. It's a good game. You should check it out. Just didn't strike a, a powerful chord with you, huh? It's just too different from the old games. I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm just a little nostalgia blind, okay. which is very common when it comes to video <laughs> games. I'm sure you know. <laughs> yeah, for
1: sure. It's that's, that's a struggle. And I, I think to kind of, to talk about persona as well, and to kind of bring all of these games into, into the conversation, um, like having that kind of nostalgia bias, or at least bias towards what like a game's vocabulary ought to be. Um, You know, like what what are its verbs? What does it let me do? When does it let me do that? Um, Persona 5 definitely breaks out of that. And so the first few hours for me were like very uncomfortable because it gives you all these like open world kind of options. And it gives you all these different like fun activities, but also it's like no, you can't do any of them. You have to go to sleep. Like you're not. You have to follow the story right now. Like you're not allowed to have fun. I hate that. Uh, but I, that is my least
0: favorite. Well, I kind of
1: love it though, right? Like because it's it's defining its own like kind of vocab. Yeah, it's,
0: set. it's nice that it kind of sticks you to a certain course while still allowing you that freedom to do whatever at certain times. Mm. But when I When I have to go to sleep and can't do anything after a day where I already haven't done anything because of story, yeah, for sure, it sometimes bothers me.
1: Yeah, no, I I think like I, I, it just maintains a pace by doing that. That's I think really impressive. Uh, It never always kind of maintains this this consistent style, speed, and and pacing of of the game. That's that's honestly really impressive because I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn right now as well, um, and the first five Mm -hmm. hours of Brilliant! Uh, this, the characters, the writing, even like the small like fidget animations are just like they blow my mind. Um, but it kind of falls into that open world trope of like, ooh, what's that? Ooh, what's this? Oh, what's that? Like, and you just yeah. kind of yes. lose focus, uh, and everything becomes interesting. Where Persona Five has kind of put you in this this specific path uh, with enough freedom to kind of have fun and play around with it and have interesting and strategic choice. But not to a point where it's the game's like i I don't care what you do, but you better figure it out <laughs> like so it's, I think it's impressive, and so anyway to to talk about your nostalgia bias, like I don't know if it's necessarily nostalgia bias but but it's some sort of like game mechanic bias where I'm like, this is how games should work, like you should let me be able like to free roam my cat shouldn't tell me I have to stay indoors tonight <laughs> like um, <laughs> but that can be a hard thing to overcome for sure,
0: definitely nostalgia blind um or nostalgia blindness is a very very common issue when it comes to reviewing games I've found mm-hmm. uh has that ever held you back on any of your review articles or anything
1: <sighs> um not particularly uh really i'm I'm trying to think of a moment where it like might have ripped me the wrong way, but i'm like my my whole jam seems to be like searching for, for innovation in mechanic or like, you know, reinvention of, of a style or, or
0: a gameplay set. And So nostalgia blindness doesn't really affect you. you no, because I'm though.
1: totally down for just like changing the formula because you know, like, like what that. is, is, and, and what can be, and should be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those games already exist. You can go back and play those. Let's Let's figure out like how we can work this in a new way. Let's figure out how we can kind of redefine our, our genre and hopefully for the better. Um, you know, maybe make a few mistakes along the way, but that's that's cool. That's fine. You know, we can, we can maybe maybe mistakes are happy mistakes. They end up being very cool. Um I think like the where it can go wrong is like ukulele though, right? Where that's
0: trying to
1: get at those kind of nostalgic. It's, it's trying
0: too hard to be the the old Yeah game. but it
1: kinda of blows <laughs> <laughs>
0: like yeah I have a game
1: like Shovel Knight yeah, don't... which definitely
0: reinvents oh, style that was fantastic exactly, but it
1: still holds that nostalgia true so like not to say you should just throw out you know what you like about this nostalgia necessarily uh, but I think we can we can innovate without doing the same thing over again like Shovel Knight's a good example of that like the, the recent like Doom reboot is a really good example as well um, that was a good game goodness <laughs>
0: Yep. A ukulele is not no, a good, it's nope. maybe not the best
1: example now.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's nice to have my name in the credits for oh, it. Oh, but... cool! So you were wow, you were one of like the original. Backers. I was a Kickstarter backer. Yeah, wow, right on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it didn't work out. That's the risk, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of cool. Like the game itself is, you know, subpar, but at the same time, it, it, it's still slightly enjoyable. Something that I can. Play with my little brothers, you know stuff like that. Well, right
1: on. I've I've never uh, played it, so I, I don't know. I can only speak to what I've heard. Well, check it out. <laughs> I guess I gotta do that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man. So what what systems do you play? You have a PS4, I know. Brand new. Well, Brand bought it off eBay, so it's new to me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, PS4 and uh, and my PC.
0: And PC yep. in, is that it? That is
1: that is it. I mean, I play like Fire Emblem Heroes on my phone, Pokemon Go.
0: I still mm-hmm. play that. You can go ahead and shame me. You still play? I, Pokemon come
1: go. on, dude! I know I can't.
0: <laughs> I haven't opened it in probably about a month I'm now. Sorry.
1: Yeah, I just it's it's fun. I mean, and in Madison here, it's not like we're in a big city, Chicago, but like there are a lot of Pokestops. There are a lot of really. There are a lot of gyms. Like if I open my phone right now. Uh, i've I've done this before just to have a giggle with my friends i think just in my starting area there are about 60 pokestops like if i don't move and just move the camera around and five gyms i think
0: there i think there is about five gyms in antioch alone too and (laughs) we're like a tiny little town yeah
1: that's within just like a six block
0: radius of me um
1: so it's I, I think that's and that's kind of right like that's the problem with pokemon go is that in more rural areas it's just not as exciting or dynamic or whatever um whereas in these kind of more urban areas it's just there's a lot going on five six seven eight there are eight gyms within my without moving <laughs> i can see
0: <laughs> oh yeah i remember the hype surrounding the game when it first came oh out. man
1: that was so cool it's, was Everyone sad. was going.
0: There were crowds chasing after a blast toys.
1: <laughs> oh, that was fun, dude! Why did they? They could have. Ah, oh, Neantic. Why? Why did you make the game the way it is? I don't understand. Do
0: you find but... yourself asking that constantly to other games, <laughs> even even when you do a positive review on yes. them? Yes.
1: Um. Why did you? Why did you do that? Absolutely. Um. And sometimes, sometimes it's good. Uh, it can be. It can incubate some some shifts in mindset like metal gear does that a lot where it just kind of changes oh, what i my expectations personas really changed a lot of my expectations um but yeah there are definitely some games that, that kind of just like design choices that do confuse me here and there um but games are wildly complex pieces of of entertainment um and require an incredible amount of coordination so if things slip through the cracks or maybe weird design decisions are made that don't actually make sense the team doesn't agree with it or <clears throat> you know to use a, a more <laughs> like salient or recent example here is is the mass effect like maybe you have to suddenly use the frostbite engine and there's some mismanagement in your animation team and then suddenly you have people who look worse than Plato. like you know, <laughs> you know like it's not like It's really sad. There's a lot of small interactions in Mass Effect that these animators probably had to work on and and did not have the time to do them well. And it's not like they looked at the screen and were like, this is gold. I'm I'm sure nobody was like, perfect. These animations are brilliant. But they had to to release it because maybe they were under time pressure from the publisher or something. Uh, And so they come out to the world and everyone just wants to talk about how awful the animations are it's like, yeah, like, okay, cool. You know, big, big whoop. Like, I'm sure they realize that too. But, like, they had to get this out of the gate. And they probably worked very hard to do that despite these these rough spots. Um, so I, I don't find that it's super useful to, to dwell on that kind of stuff and just say, like, okay, you know, that's that's weird. I don't enjoy it. This is bad. Or, like, this just doesn't work. I mean, hopefully it's not, like, game inhibiting. Then you can maybe get a little angry if you literally can't play your game that you've paid money for. Um but, like, if, if something is just, like, off-kilter or something, I think you can you can live a much happier, wholesome life if you just move on and say, that's fine. Like, what do I like about this experience? So, yeah. Full foster. I love how
0: you could put a positive spin on even the worst games here. <laughs>
1: that's what I do, dude. There's no, there's no point in okay. getting angry at them.
0: How about a challenge? <laughs> I'm going to bring up some of the worst Thank games. You, God. And I want you to bring up the positives of them. <laughs> sure. Do you think you could do that? Maybe we'll give it a go. Uh, the first one. This one's a tough one. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2006. Sonic
1: the Hedgehog 2006. Let me just let me just type that into the old Google. Make sure I got the right the right game in my. Oh yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah. Oh boy. Rest for release in 2006. supposed to bring a breath of fresh <laughs> HD air to the series. Oh, boy. Oh, they made a movie? Wow. Okay. Um. Well, here's the <laughs> thing. Sonic isn't all bad as a character. Did you play Sonic Adventure 2 Battle? Because that game was pretty sweet.
0: Oh, Sonic Generations was fantastic. Their 20th anniversary Generations. game. Generations?
1: I never played Generations.
0: You never played know. it? You got to play that, that one. It come out. 2011. Like, put it on your list. It was their twentieth anniversary, so it must have been five years ago. Uh yeah, six. Six years ago. Six years ago.
1: Cool, cool. Yeah, no, I don't I don't have too many words for the old song two thousand six. <laughs> <laughs> How um, about uh gotta go fast?
0: Some <laughs> some uh this one comes as a pair. Uh Link the Faces of Evil and uh Zelda the Wand of Gamelon. Have wow, you heard of those?
1: Jeez, I'm actually what? I'm not familiar with these. The Wand of Gamelon.
0: You've never heard of those two. No. It was a uh They're famous for a uh, partnership geez, yeah, that Nintendo is, was yeah, gonna this do. Is the
1: animation, isn't it? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yes. Oh god, why?
0: It, <laughs> oh god, looking at these. Cancelled <laughs> plans for A CD-ROM add-on for the SNES that uh, Nintendo is teaming up with Philips to create, and they are, in fact, uh, they're they're denied by Nintendo as canon, but they are actually licensed Nintendo Zelda games. This
1: is the Lincoln I know and love. (laughs) Jeez, that's
0: disgusting. It's uh, famous for lines such as, I wonder what's for dinner. Oh, boy. And uh wow, I'm so hungry, I could eat an Octorok. Just uh, and you must just, die. Just, just, you know, the famous just, clips from YouTube boobs through yeah. the <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know no, that. I, one.
1: I've never I've honestly never heard the name. Like it's just one of those things that you, you see images, you see memes, you see little videos of him like throwing the bomb and then like skateboarding on his shield and flying off into the distance. <laughs> just like wow, what is this? <laughs> But nobody's like, this All right, I'm going to give you
0: one last one. Okay. E.T., the extraterrestrial for the Atari. Oh, man,
1: I have have a response for that. Uh, But crumbs. Okay, there's a good documentary that talks about this. Oh, what is it called? Oh, man. Okay. There's a documentary that talks about the history of, 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 like, video games... As a whole, and it definitely focuses on ET, and it talks about kind of like the mismanagement and the the how the the bubble of Atari grew way too fast, and how games just kind of popped up overnight, basically, and nobody had like figured out like how do we how do we make a good game? And ET was actually like, who was it commissioned by? Published by, rather, ET. Uh, uh, uh. Let's get all our facts straight. <laughs> it's
0: gotta be accurate Atari here
1: for the Atari 2600 um gosh there's was, there was one developer and I'm failing to remember his name that was making a lot of Atari's games and was doing really well basically he was just kind of like a prodigy <laughs> and they dumped this whole entire project on him and like it kept shifting and changing uh, like midway through, and he didn't have any time to do it, um, and it's kind of a, a sad story. And then they released this game, and this was effectively like Atari shooting themselves in the foot because they were just producing content at a breakneck pace, and like nothing was phasing them um, until, of course, they, they they grew too big for their own shoes. Um, but oh, what is this? What is this documentary? If I can if I can get a hot link to this, I feel like listeners would, would do well to to give this one a watch because it's good
0: <laughs> if you find the link before the episode goes up I'll put it in the description yeah yeah it's
1: really it's it's really insightful honestly if you if you want to
0: see what happened with that famous game that
1: got dumped into
0: landfills <laughs> in somewhere in like Nevada <laughs> you know. um,
1: it,
0: and that's a true story they actually did get dumped into landfills oh yeah <laughs>
1: okay I've, I've got it it's called uh, it's called Atari.
0: Colin game over atari game over
1: yeah it's made three years ago it's very good all right
0: you folks will do good to uh check those out mm-hmm. now have you ever thought of taking this critical eye of taking the positives out of everything and turning it to uh, the film industry
1: oh boy um yeah, I think I think my my look at games has certainly influenced how I look at uh, how I look at film for sure. Uh, but to, to I, I don't want to like make enemies here, but games are are just the most powerful medium you can tell a story in. A film is is you know it just kind of regurgitates at you, whereas a game it requires and demands involvement. It demands.
0: Oh, I totally understand. Um, <laughs>
1: So i I think i could but i think games are are because of how how kind of gnarly they are for that interaction they require makes the experience a lot more interesting and when you have a game like bioshock where you know (laughs) i mean i don't know should i spoil bioshock here
0: It's been out for a while. Uh, Spoiler alert, I think we're good now that I've said that.
1: Okay, cool. I'm sorry. Please pause (laughs) if you don't want Biojog spoiled, question mark, I guess. Um, Anyway, yeah, basically the the whole game, you're being like subtly kind of told this word command, would you kindly, um, you know, would you kindly step out of the bathysphere? Would you kindly pick up a crowbar? Uh, Until finally it's like, you know, would you kindly you know, kill Andrew Ryan effectively at the end. Um, and it's kind of leading you along this narrative path uh, where these all make sense, uh, you know, narratively. It's not like out of the blue, you know. Um, and suddenly when you when you go to kill this this kind of big bad, Andrew Ryan, he, you know, enlightens you that you're totally under mind control. And anytime someone says this, this key phrase, would you kindly, you ha- you're kind of like forced to do it. And it's this super good meditation on, you know, the nature of games, and the gamers and the developers saying like, here's what you have to do. And we're going to pretend like you have free choice. But then again, I've only made this game to like interact with you in so many ways. So you don't really have free choice and you can only do that through gameplay. Cause you're the one playing, you know, you're the one who got duped. Like you literally, the gamer, not like, Oh, my character uh, in the, in the film or in the game, got so you got screwed. Like it's like, no, you as a gamer have to realize like, well, you're kind of under control anytime you play a game. And like, Is that disturbing? I don't know. That's for you to decide. You know, do you have free will in games? Like, is it important that you do? Just a lot of kind of explosive questions for the medium that are are demanding of you being the one who's interacting with it. And you having that experience and that mirror kind of turned on you as a gamer and not just watching something, you know, happen to another character and go, I empathize and I sympathize with that, and that's that's powerful message, you know, but instead to have something actually talk to you as as an individual is so powerful that games just kind of they've they've got a lot of magic to them that I don't think has been tapped into yet uh, and that we're gonna see more powerfully as uh, as time moves on so yeah, definitely definitely thought about you know kind of looking at film and in that kind of way, but games are where my my heart is <laughs> so
0: <laughs> And I think that's a really good message to uh, end off on. So uh, with that, we're just skimming the surface.
1: Awesome. Thanks, thanks for listening to my voice too.
0: <laughs> thanks for coming on, Stephen. I really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Farrell, everybody, of The Game Advocate. Make sure you check out that website there and read some of those reviews. Get some positive positivity in your life. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. appreciate it. And with that, we are just skimming the surface. Thanks for listening. Remember to like us on Facebook to stay updated on future episodes and to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Leave a like down below and let us know what you think in the comments. Also remember to follow us on Twitter at wskimmilk and to check out our website as well, www.wskimmilk.com. This has been wskimmilk. Have a great night and remember to tune in next time.